Uh, all right, so what we're going to do here is, is go through these four topics. Uh, these were topics that I introduced um, back in July as I spoke on, on these uh, four brief phrases, but very important, as I said, uh, to me in my spiritual life, uh, in Christ, with Christ, like Christ, and for Christ. I said in July, in that one brief message, if those of you who were there remember, that we would just be skimming the surface. And as I studied more on this, I feel like we're still going to be skimming the surface. We're going to be just zipping through uh, these four topics. Uh, we could spend probably the entire weekend just on the first one, on in Christ. Uh, this is how you're going to feel after this week. Here are the four topics, uh, in Christ, uh, with Christ, like Christ, and for Christ. Uh, another way to look at this would be salvation. In Christ deals with uh, salvation. Uh, or you could say, uh, if you want to give it a metaphor, standing. That is our, our position in Christ. With Christ, then, uh, deals with devotion. And again... Oh, this is, uh, so I'm tied to this one, huh? So if we were to give that a metaphor, uh, we could say sitting. And, and the picture I have there is of Mary. Uh, you remember Mary and, and Martha and Mary sitting at uh, the feet of Christ. Uh, like Christ, then, is going to be dealing with uh, sanctification and, uh, again, using a metaphor of walking. In the New Testament, we often have uh, the metaphor of walking, the Christian life, uh, walking as a metaphor, uh, particularly in books like Ephesians. I think it comes up in Romans. And then, finally, for Christ, uh, which, to me, uh, is a way to capsulize the whole issue of motivation and how we live for Christ. Uh, and perhaps working could be used as a metaphor or a picture of that uh, particular, um, that particular uh, part of the Christian life. And, and when we come to that, we'll talk uh, more about working and why we work uh, and how we work for Christ. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background of these uh, four, uh, four factors as I said, they've become uh, more important to me over the past uh, few years. They've come to represent uh, what is for me a framework of understanding the, the Christian life. Um, they, they're not comprehensive. <clears throat> there are many other uh, ways that we could describe the Christian life, even ways using these prepositional phrases, for instance. Uh, in fact, after I uh, worked on these uh, four, uh, someone introduced me to this book called Life in Christ uh, by John Stott. And I'm, Mike, I'm moving away from my mic again. And, and let me read you the chapter headings uh, that Stott has in this book. And by the way, this is a, a great little book, and uh, I've actually used some material in here as, as uh, I've worked on my messages. Uh, but it's... I've also been satisfied to see that a lot of things that I had already come up with 
John Stott uh, goes into as well. So there was a degree of satisfaction in seeing that he had noticed some of the same things that I did about these. So besides, uh, in Christ, our life giver, and with Christ, our secret, and for Christ, our lover, and like Christ, our model, he also includes through Christ, our mediator, on Christ, our foundation, and under Christ, our Lord. So that would be a way to sort of round out uh, these, uh, the life of Christ using these same prepositional phrases uh, that we see in the New Testament. Um, now these four, it seems to me, are, are fundamental. Uh, they are memorable, and uh, there's a sequence to them when you think about in Christ, with Christ, like Christ, and for Christ. Uh, and that sequence sort of holds together. And so uh, this has been very helpful for me as, as I think about uh, my Christian life and growing in Christ uh, and, um, and what is, is very foundational and how I want to be known. Uh, I want to be known as somebody who is in Christ, who is with Christ, who is like Christ, and who lives for Christ. Um, this, this actually uh, came to a, a head, as it were, came to a, a pinnacle after looking at uh, some of these ideas previously. And a very good friend of mine, uh, who was a missionary with us in Nigeria, passed away, a fellow that was our age. Uh, and on his, his grave marker is the, the words, uh, Carpe Eternitanum. Sees eternity. He said, and this was his motto, he said, why settle for a day? Carpe diem. Sees eternity. Uh, and, and I began thinking, said, you know, that was Steve's life. Uh, he, he really grasped eternity and held on to it. And then I began in an introspective way thinking, how would I summarize my Christian experience? What would I want on my gravestone?" Uh, how would I want other people to know me? What's most important in my Christian experience? Uh, and this is it. This is what it comes down to for me uh, in terms of, of what, how I identify myself as a believer and my goals and aspirations uh, as a believer. So I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share this with you. And if you come to the same conclusion that I do, uh, that would be great, and it's not copyrighted. Uh, be sure to take it with you. All right, let's go into this uh, first topic then, in Christ. And I want to just um, go through some passages with you. I intend, by the way, for this to be somewhat interactive. Uh, so feel free to ask questions. Uh, feel free to, I'll, I'll be asking you to read scriptures from time to time. We'll gather together in little groups to uh, talk about some questions and things like that. So uh, so it's not simply preaching, as it were. Uh, hopefully this will be a, an interactive time. When we come to uh, the New Testament and we look at this concept of in Christ, uh, first of all, we realize that it's not simply that only expression in Christ, but sometimes we see it as in the Lord Jesus Christ, or in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, or in him, uh, simply using the, uh, the uh, pronoun there. 
Interestingly enough, we don't often see in Jesus. Uh, I think there's only one time that we see in Jesus, and I, I can't remember that right off. But uh, um, why? let me just ask you, why do you think that might be true? Why do you think that in Christ or in the Lord Jesus Christ, referring to salvation, but not in Jesus? Anyone? Yeah. Go ahead. No. Jesus is, it seems to deal more with his humanity mm-hmm. rather than his position as the God-man, his deity. Um, That's Messiah, right. So, right. so the, the things that are in him are not in him because of his humanity, but in him because of his deity. Yeah, I think that's a good way to express it. And that would be my conclusion, too. I think most of us would probably come to that same conclusion. Uh, and that's why uh, Paul and the other writers uh, would rarely use in Jesus, because it's in Christ, in his, uh, as in his deity, uh, in his messiahship, that he is savior. It's a very common expression in Paul's writings, uh, over 150 times. It's a bit hard to get an exact count on there. I've seen anywhere from 130 to 150. I did not take time to go through every one and come to my own number, but somewhere in there, uh, about 150. It's also common in John's writings, but not in Christ. Usually it says in him, but it's different. It's a bit different in John. Now, can you think of passages in John where you have that expression in him and then think what's the difference between the way that John uses it? And by the way, it's not only in the gospel, but also in the epistles. It comes up very frequently. Uh, what's the difference between John's usage and Paul's usage? All right? Yes, Don? Uh, I was thinking of John 14. Yeah. Where he's talking about uh, he's being in the Father and the Father's in him and he wants them to be in him. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very often in John, you find it not simply in Christ or in him, but Christ also in the Father and Christ in us. There's a sort of a mutuality, a sort of a a triangle here. And the Holy Spirit comes in, obviously, also. But it's not simply the in Christ that we get in Paul. For instance, Paul, I think only once, says Christ in us when he talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Very rarely do you have Christ in us, but in John, it's very common to see that idea. So there's a mutuality or a reciprocation that we see in John that has a different emphasis than we see in Paul. What else would be different, do you think, uh, with John? I've given you actually a particular verb, uh, the verb abide or remain, is oftentimes in John that's not in Paul. Uh, Dave, follow up on that. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that would 
have a difference then in the way that they're using this expression or in Christ or in him. Yeah. Okay. It is. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I noticed that also, that, that in John, uh, it, oftentimes it has this uh, command form, imperatival form, abide in me, remain in me. It's, John is, is telling us, or Christ is telling us, do this. Whereas in Paul's writings, it's, this is what has already happened. Uh, you are in Christ. It's a statement rather than a command. And we could debate about what abide in Christ means, but uh, there is a difference then between the way that John is using it and the way that Paul is using it. So let me go ahead and say that, that most of what I'm going to say is uh, centered on Paul's thoughts here. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an important feature then in Paul's writings and what he's saying. In fact, some people would say this actually is the center of Paul's theology. So when you think, how is Paul picturing God, our relationship with God, and salvation? Uh, what is the center of that? What holds that all together? Uh, and some people would go so far as to say it's this idea of in Christ or union with Christ uh, that does that. Now, again, there are some debates there. You could uh, say some people would say justification is. Um, well, perhaps uh, justification does not uh, come up as frequently as this expression. Uh, this expression, as I said, is 150 times. Justification, or the same word that is translated righteousness or justify, is about 120 times. So it is less, and they're more concentrated. What books are they concentrated in? Justify, justification, Romans, and... Galatians. Uh, that's where you find most of the expressions, uh, uses of those words. Whereas in Christ, goes across the board. Uh, it's not only in those two books, but it comes up throughout his writings. And not only as we'll see in uh, the form of a statement, but in connection with commands as well. Uh, so it, it has a wider range of meaning and uh, appears to be distributed throughout Paul's writings. And, and then as we look closely at what it means, you can see why some people really would say it sort of holds the center of Paul's thought together in terms of what he's saying about salvation and what he's saying about our relationship to God. Uh, this is what uh, James Stewart, this is an older writer, but uh, John Stott 
in this book I've just uh, mentioned to you, quotes him approvingly when he says, the heart of Paul's religion is union with Christ. And I'm going to show you that that expression, union with Christ, is the same thing as in Christ. So the heart of Paul's religion is in Christ, it's union with Christ. This, more than any other conception, more than justification, more than sanctification, more even than reconciliation, is the key which unlocks the secrets of a soul. Uh, so that's Stuart's uh, opinion, and I, I, I do have some sympathies with uh, this idea that when we want to understand Paul uh, and what he says about our relationship with God, this is our starting point, that we are in Christ. Now, the, the phrase actually uh, has a range of meaning. Uh, if you look at different examples uh, in uh, Paul's writings, uh, there are three that people could identify. One is what we would call an instrumental meaning, uh, God, what God has done or is doing through Christ for salvation. And I do want to look at these verses. I don't want to just put them there. I'd like to read them. Um, and what we're going to do is uh, start in the back with Lenny and go across the back row. You, got, you back rowers thought you were getting out of this, didn't you? Uh, and, and each person then is going to take a verse and read across. So uh, let's read the ones in Romans 3, Romans 6, and then 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, Lenny, and so this is the instrumental use. Uh, this is the idea of how God's salvation is focused through Christ. Lenny? Romans 3.24 says, But they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, they're justified. 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Our okay, free gift of God in Christ. Uh, Ray, uh, 2 Corinthians. Yeah, right, reconciling the world in Christ. I think some translations actually say reconciling the world through Christ, uh, which gives that, it, it brings out that idea of this instrumental use. Okay? Uh, I want to go on next to the, the uh, ethical use, uh, and this is the idea of uh, in Christ being the foundation for our activities, uh, for our behavior. Um, and Philippians 4.4, 4, uh, Bob? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Okay, rejoice in the Lord. By the way, once you get this in your mind about how important this is, you begin seeing this phrase over and over again as you read Paul in these different contexts. Uh, Romans 9.1. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Yeah. Yeah. So rejoice in the Lord. I'm telling the truth, or tell the truth. Uh, I'm telling the truth in Christ. Uh, those would be what we'd call the ethical uses. Now, it is the what we call the local use, and and it's called local because you're thinking of almost a place. Uh, it, metaphorically, there's a place. Our salvation is in Christ. We are in Christ. 
there's almost this place idea. Uh, and this is what I want to focus on is this usage uh, and Romans 8.1, I think, first. And that is an incredible verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Bob? Yeah, we are one body in Christ. Okay? So uh, as you go through uh, and, and read Paul, you'll be able to see these different ideas. Now, they're not all cut and dry, and that's why the circles are overlapping, because there is some, uh, some blurring of the, of the categories, but it seems if you could just draw three points, uh, they tend toward uh, these three points. Uh, either more of a local uh, meaning, which is our, our standing, our position in Christ, uh, or the instrumental meaning, uh, when we talk about God's salvation and what he accomplishes through our Lord, or the ethical meaning, our behavior, what we do, rejoice, tell the truth in Christ. But they all do have a center uh, that is uh, held together, and that is this core meaning here, the expression in Christ conveys Paul's belief that God's saving purposes are decisively affected through Christ. God's saving purposes are effectively are affected through Christ. All right, let me go now to this local meaning because that's the one I want to focus on. Uh, I've mentioned already that uh, oftentimes in uh, translation or as you read, uh, you'll talk about or find references to union with Christ, and that is the same idea, that we are joined with Christ. Uh, and that, that coming together, uh, that, which is a mystery, but we are found in him. And, uh, and that is, um, uh, that's where I want to focus on. Now, I think there are some notes that are missing, aren't there? Uh, I think all of you... Yeah, I'm, I apologize. Uh, for some reason, they didn't get uh, all into your um, into your notes. There are some blank pages, I understand, on the left side of your notebook. So if you want to uh, grab some blank pages, uh, you can continue to take notes on these uh, slides. So it it's not the idea of being inside Christ, of course. Uh, that's obviously not it, but it's this idea of joint, being joined to him, uh, being with him. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the background or the influences uh, on this idea of in Christ. I'm not saying that this is where the idea comes from in Paul's uh, thinking, uh, but I think there is some influence back and forth between these metaphors, these pictures on the one hand, and this idea of in Christ on the other hand, uh, and of course, it will go back to Jesus' teaching because uh, Jesus, uh, as we saw in John, uh, does teach about being in him. Uh, and it seems to me that that may be uh, one of the influences in the way that, that Paul is thinking about being in Christ. So if we would read uh, John 15, 4 and 5, um, let's see, Alice, Jim. Uh, John 15, 
verses 4 and 5. This is a familiar passage to you, the one of the vine and the branches. Yeah, so this is very similar to the, what uh, Don was explaining about in John 14. This is, comes again in John 15. But this picture of the vine and the branches uh, it seems to me very powerfully uh, illustrates this very similar idea to this idea of union with Christ. Just as the branches are in the vine, so we are in Christ, uh, Paul would say. Uh, There are some differences, but I think there is a a lot of relationship between that. The body of Christ. Remember, here's another metaphor, a picture that Paul has uh, specifically. And it seems to me that uh, I'm not sure how in Paul's mind, whether he's thinking, now we are in Christ, therefore we are in one body. Or is he thinking we are one body that is Christ's body, and therefore, because we're part of Christ's body, we are therefore in Christ. Do you see? There could be, it could be going either way, but this whole idea of being a body of Christ and being in Christ, it seems to me, uh, have some relationship uh, to each other. Uh, we won't take time to take that, to read that passage. The marriage one in Ephesians 5 is going to be similar. Remember, uh, Paul talks about uh, the man and the wife Note that they are one flesh. And he says, this is a mystery. I'm talking about Christ and what? And the church uh, being together, being united. Uh, and, and that kind of unity of, of Christ and the church that is illustrated between a man and a woman in marriage uh, similarly shows uh, some relationship to being in Christ, being united with Christ, just as a man and woman in marriage. In all these cases, in the vine, in the body, in marriage, all these pictures uh, come up with the same idea, and that is there is union. It is or an organic kind of union. It is t- really together. It is life-giving, and it is intimate. Uh, and again, it seems to me that, that our being in Christ, uh, the way that Paul expresses it, uh, comes back to these same ideas, uh, that it is, it is a life-giving union that we have in our Lord. Yeah. But I don't know of anything in the Old Testament, neither do I really remember anything in the other epistles. Quite the same. Right. They knew in the Old Testament the whole picture of Israel's unfaithfulness and 
God's divorce. Right. So that's not an organic one. And the bad bind that God had to do with the, 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 this whole body concept mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how uh, Christ as, as the head working through that, you know, that, that whole concept has really amazed me because, uh, and you know, I said that to the high school kids, uh, you know, Christ was the Christ was the manifestation of God. He was God in the body. And the church is the body of Jesus Christ. It's the manifestation of uh, Jesus Christ. He makes himself known through the church. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus Christ. If you want to know what Jesus Christ is like, and that's going to come back uh, to the bottom half of the chart mm -hmm. in terms of our responsibility. Right. That's right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I want to build on that uh, in just a few minutes. Um, let me go on to this uh, next one. I've mentioned the union in Christ, uh, and uh, it's a very important idea in Paul that we are united with him. Uh, we are united, it seems, in a number of different respects. Uh, first of all, in death in burial and resurrection. Let's just read uh, these, uh, beginning, Ron, with you. Uh, Galatians 2, 19 and 20. I, I am crucified with Christ. So Paul is saying there that in some sense he has died. And it's because he's united with Christ that he has died. The burial, uh, Romans 6, uh, Lenny, Romans 6, 3, uh, or uh, 4 through 5. Romans 6. This is a very important passage that talks about union with Christ, uh, one of the more, more important ones. Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. So there we have being buried with Christ. We also have the resurrection. We are raised with Christ. Uh, and there, it's a future uh, idea. We will be raised. But even in that passage, he'll talk about this newness of life that we have now. Uh, so it seems to me, and, and by the way, we could talk about the ascension as well. Don mentioned that as referring to Ephesians. We are now seated with him in the heavenlies. Uh, so there's the idea of ascension. So death burial, resurrection, and ascension, all of these uh, key parts, key moments, key events in the life of Christ, we actually are joined with Christ in those things. 
Right? What's the distinction in death and burial? Uh, the way that Paul talks about it is he would talk about being dead to the law or dead to the old way of life. Uh, the burial just represents, uh, I think, that, that um, the state of that deadness. I, I don't know that... that uh, I, I think in, in Romans 6, the, way he, the, way he, the reason he uses that is because of the picture of baptism. Uh, and so baptism then is a picture of this death, burial, and resurrection. So in dying, when you go under the water, the burial in the water, the resurrection and ascension to new life is coming up out of the water. Uh, and I think that's the reason why he has burial there, because I don't remember in any other place where the burial is uh, used in the same idea of being in Christ. I think it's just this one place in Romans 6. Yeah. Okay, so I've, and I mentioned uh, here uh, the picturing in baptism uh, that, that uh, this does, that our baptism, our water baptism, then does picture this union with Christ in death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Uh, we have died in some way, uh, we are buried. We are raised up to a new life in Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenlies. Uh, all these ideas are there when we think about being in Christ. It's something that, is, uh, that happened in the past, that is, we died uh, with Christ. It is something that is happening now, where we are living a new life in Christ, as well as something that will happen in the future. Uh, when we will finally be raised uh, with him and be exalted with him. So there's that past, present, and future uh, that you often see when you're looking at salvation. We have been saved, we are being saved, we shall be saved. All those things are true. And it's true here when we talk about this idea of being in Christ. Okay? Mm-hmm. And my identification with Jesus Christ, but it's also a commitment to walk, you know, in newness of life. life. And that's why I've always appreciated the uh, formula or whatever it is. Right. It is you have been buried in Christ now to walk in newness of life. Mm-hmm. That is a commitment on the part of the person that's, that's doing that. That mm-hmm. as he has already been, he's now going to live a different kind mm-hmm. of life. Uh, Don, let me go back to your Old Testament references because I think that, that there may be some sort of, of uh, connection to the Old Testament when we look at Adam. And we often think about uh, how, or not often, but in several passages, Paul compares and contrasts our union with Adam uh, in the family of Adam, in Adam's family, and in Christ's family. These are, are very important passages uh, let's look at them. Romans 6.12 is the first one. Uh, these are the two main passages where you get this idea of, uh, of being in Adam and then being in Christ. Uh, thank you. Uh, Romans 5. 
12. Therefore, let me just begin reading a little bit from Romans 5. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all men sinned. That is, they sinned in Adam, not simply their behavior, but in Adam they sinned. Sin was in the world before law was given, but sin was not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. In other words, people are dying because of sin, but it's not sin where there's no law. Therefore, it's Adam's sin. Even over those whose sin were not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of one who was to come. The free gift is not like the trespass. Here's the contrast. For if many died through one man's trespass, Many more have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. The free gift is not like that of one man's sin. Uh, and then he's going to go on and talk about justification, condemnation, uh, death, and life. Uh, so there is then this contrast between our union with Adam and the effects of that in sin, condemnation, and death. And then the contrast of that is being in Christ. And we are now members of a new family, the family of Christ, that Christ is the head. And we are either in Adam or we are in Christ. Either Adam is our father or Christ is our head. And that family uh, that is in Christ uh, has righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Just as the sin of Adam was imputed, as it were, is credited to his generations, so also those who are related to Christ have the righteousness of Christ imputed to them through one man. Uh, and that results in righteousness, in justification, and life. Uh, and so this idea of being in Adam and being in Christ uh, also seems to me to play a very important role in Paul's thinking of what it means to be in Christ. It means the opposite of what it means to be in Adam, uh, which is sin, judgment, condemnation, and death. The other passage that you could go to is the 1 Corinthians 5, a 15 passage. Uh, that would also use the same, uh, the same idea and, and similar t- terminology. So these, uh, this expression in Christ then is associated with these very fundamental ideas uh, relating to salvation. Um, Ephesians uh, 1 has a number of those. If you'd go to Ephesians 1.4, uh, Joe, Ephesians 1.4, and, and we're just going to just listen for the concept there. The first one is election, God's choice. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay, chose us in him. Uh, Ken, uh, justification, Galatians 2.17. Yeah, justified in Christ. Uh, okay, redemption is Ephesians 1.7, and we also get forgiveness in that same passage. 
please. Ephesians 1 7. Okay, yeah. Right. Yep. In him, we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. And finally, reconciliation. Second uh, Corinthians 5.19. Good. So, uh, reconciliation in Christ. So all these different ideas that have to do with uh, salvation then are, are joined together, are associated with the idea that we are in Christ. Uh, it seems to me this is a, a fundamental way that we should understand our salvation. It is that we are united with Christ. Uh, baptism is a picture of that. Uh, it is a picture of the fact that we have died with him, that we are buried with him, that we are raised to a new life in him, uh, that all these things are true of us, that we are justified, we are redeemed, we are chosen, we have forgiveness of sins, we are reconciled, all of these things because of what Christ has done for us and because of our union with Christ, because we are in Christ. Uh, so these, uh, this seems to me then to be... Um, such a critical idea and, and really foundational, as I said, to how we should understand our salvation. Uh, Packer, who I even rate more highly than John Stott in terms of how I appreciate his uh, theological uh, thinking, says, union with Christ is the basic fact of Christianity. This actually is this article on justification in the New Bible Dictionary, but he, he says union with Christ is even more fundamental than justification. Um, it is the basis of our new status. Uh, Romans 8.1, uh, did we? I don't think we've looked at that one yet. Yeah, we did. Uh, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, so that is, that is our status, uh, no condemnation, because we are in Christ, uh, because we have the righteousness of Christ, uh, so that when, uh, when, when God, when the Father looks at us, as it were, uh, it is not cr- uh, me, the sinner, and Christ, the righteous, but in fact, he says, they are righteous because we are united in him. Uh, I've mentioned the uh, Ephesians 1 passage. That, of course, is one long verse, as probably you know, one long sentence, I meant, uh, in the original language. This goes on and on, and I think it's like seven or eight times that phrase, in Christ, appears in that one passage that is so fundamental. Uh, and he says... The very first part of that, in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And then the rest of that 
sentence enumerates those spiritual blessings, uh, blessings that we've already looked at, redemption, forgiveness of sin, uh, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, being chosen in him. And all of those have to do with the fact that we are in Christ. And that's the basis of those spiritual blessings that he's given to us. It's also the basis of our new identity. Uh, this is who we are. Uh, it's, it's interesting the way that Paul actually uses this phrase because it becomes for Paul a way of simply talking about a fellow Christian. You know, today we would use the expression, well, he's our brother, he's a Christian. Uh, Paul talks about, oh, well, look at uh, this person who's in Christ. Uh, let's look at these um, in Romans Romans 16. Remember, Romans 16 is uh, the tail end of Romans, and he's sending greetings uh, from um, from the people he's with and the people that uh, he wants to greet in Rome uh, that he knows. And, and look at the way that he describes them. Uh, Romans 6, uh, uh, Romans 12, I'm sorry, let me get the right chapter. Romans 16, uh, verses 3, uh, first of all, and Rick, would you read that, please? Romans 16, 3. Yeah, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, uh, Romans 16, 7 through 9. Yeah, three verses, three people, and all of them are said to be in Christ. Uh, They were in Christ before I was. What does that mean? They were a Christian before I was. So this is, is, uh, for Paul, so critical, so essential, uh, so defining, uh, this expression, that this is the way that he describes someone who's a Christian. They're in Christ. Um, You know, as, as our expressions of... Uh, fellow believers, uh, whether we use the expression believer or Christian or born again, we keep on having to change those expressions because they keep on losing meaning uh, as other people begin to use them. Maybe this would be the best expression that we'll use uh, in Christ. It would be hard to find a better choice. Uh, finally, it's the basis of new behavior. And we'll see this uh, when we uh, go into being like Christ. It's something that Don has already mentioned. That is this relationship between the indicative, between the statement which says we are in Christ, and the imperative or the command which says because we are in Christ, this is how we ought to live that Christ then, being in Christ, is not only our, the basis of our Christian life, uh, of our new life in Christ, but is in some way the goal uh, of our Christian experience. And we'll look at those passages uh, when we talk about in Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, of course, is the idea of, of a new creation, uh, being a new creation. And what Paul's saying there is, I can't live the way I used to live 
because I'm no longer the person that I once was. Those kind of behaviors are associated with the kind of person I once was. But now I am a new creation. Now I am, what, in Christ. And because I am in Christ, then I live a different way. And this is fundamental. This is fundamental to our whole, to our whole understanding of why we live a different life is because we are no longer the people that we once were. We have died with Christ in, in being joined to him. And it is the basis of a new community. So the basis of a new status of salvation, a basis of a new identity, who we are, uh, the basis of new behavior, how we live, and the basis of a new community, And let's pick up and read that one from Galatians, Galatians 3.28. Right. Uh, So Paul's leveling the field here and saying we are all in Christ Jesus, and that is what makes the body. Uh, We are all in him. Since we are all joined to him, we are therefore all joined to one another uh, in the body of Christ. I want to close with uh, a story about Augustine. Uh, And this goes back to this uh, idea of of a new identity and basis of a new behavior. Augustine, uh, St. Augustine, as you know, or as many of you would know, uh, lived a rather prolific life uh, before he came to know Christ. Um, People today would call him a flanderer or a womanizer or something, but that was his life uh, before he came to know Christ. Uh, there's a story that after he came to know Christ, uh, he was walking, it was either in Rome or Carthage, I don't remember where, but uh, one of his old uh, lovers uh, saw him and met him on the street. And he walked, he greeted, she greeted him and he walked, he kept on walking. And, uh, and the story says that she called after him and she said, Augustine, Augustine. It's I. And Augustine turned around and said, yes, but it's not I. Uh, And the idea was is that his former way of life was gone because he wasn't that same person that she used to know. Uh, He was now a different person. Uh, He has a new identity, a new status, and a new way of life. And it is because of his union with Christ that that old man has died, the former self has died, and now he is a new person in Christ. Good. Well, I hope that that uh, gives you uh, some further insights into our status in Christ. As I said, it seems to me to be uh, a foundational, uh, essential, fundamental uh, way of looking at our salvation of looking at our status, of looking at our identity, and of understanding our place in the new community in Christ. Okay, Tom?